battling with a very playful animal this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 292 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined in my own living room this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome, Andres. Thank you. I hope you like the coffee. We're not drinking Fernet this week because it's a little bit earlier than we normally record. So I've got a mate, and Andres is having some coffee. Um, and we also have a cat who is very curious about everything that's going on on the top of this table. So if you hear me swear... Um, or tell her to piss off or something to somebody off-screen, as it were, uh, during the course of this recording, you will know why. It's a very special guest, but a mute one, not a one that... We yeah, have. fortunately she doesn't make that much noise, but she's just being annoying at the moment, aren't you? Let's move these crisps away from the microphone and from the cap. Uh, the results from the weekend just gone, all 11 of them, um, were as follows. Chacarita Jr.'s... 1, Tempele 2, and Godoy Cruz 2, San Martín de San Juan 0 on Friday evening. On Saturday, we had a full programme of Superliga matches. Vélez Sarsfield beat Banfield 1-0 in Liniers. Defensa Justicia beat Rosario Central 3-1 in Florencio Barrela. Newell's Old Boys lost 1-0 to Independiente in Rosario. Lanús and Argentinos Juniors drew 0-0 in Lanús. And Huracán in Parque Patricios beat Atletico Tucumán 3-2, a five-goal thriller for you on Saturday night. Um, on Sunday, the 11 o'clock kickoff, Gimnasia versus Banfield, was postponed um, due to very heavy rain. We had, as English Dan tweeted the day afterwards, 108 millimetres in 24 hours um, in across the greater Buenos Aires region, and La Plata is sufficiently close that it got hit as well. Um, that rendered the pitch unplayable. In Paraná, the pitch was playable, and Patronato and San Lorenzo didn't really do very much playing on it. Uh, they drew 0-0 in a pretty poor game. Belgrano in Cordoba managed to beat Colón 1-0, and then the evening game was also called off. Racing versus Arsenal did not take place in Avellaneda. So those two games are expected, but not confirmed yet, to be played on Wednesday the 9th, which is uh, a week today which is the day before River versus Estudiantes was scheduled for anyway because of Estudiantes being involved, as we mentioned last week, in the Copa Libertadores um, on Tuesday night, i.e. last night as we're now recording. Um, on Monday, the final two matches of the week ended Union 3, Tacheres 0 and Olimpo 1, Tigre 5. What are you doing? Cat's walking across my keyboard. Get down, please. Um, surprised at Tigre. I realise we're starting with probably the least important match of the lot, but I didn't think that either Olimpo or Tigre were going to be good enough to beat the other. That's Tigre's first away win of the season. Yeah, but the, I think the main difference there is that Tigre are, at least now, safe from relegation because they haven't uh, been relegated. Perhaps for next season it will be different, but now yeah. they are safe. So uh, that I think that made them be like to play with no complex or 
Well, no. Also, they, they really need the points yes. for next season because next season they're going to be in, in trouble. So yeah. Yes, but they Both they things. were they were facing a, a, a rival that have already been yeah. relegated. Same similar uh, thing happened to, for example, Ch- Chacarita. Well, they played against another uh, team relegated like Templey. Hmm. But well, I think that that uh, means something uh, when they are like they don't want to play. Uh, the, the, I mean, the, the, the teams that are uh, that they know already know that they will play uh, next season in in, uh, in National B, Primera B Nacional. So they don't want to play anymore here in first division. No, yeah, it's similar it's to Arsenal, for example, that they, they were the first team to know they will they will play National B. Uh, and so they, just, you, they sort of lose interest I mean you occasionally do see a team get relegated and then the following week decide oh fuck it let's go out with a bang and start playing much better once the pressure is off but yeah in, in the case of really all four of the relegated teams this season they appear to have lost interest to a certain degree possibly as you mentioned with the exception of Temperley but then they were only playing Chacarita so yes. it's hard to say to- um, sorry talking about National Bay because we are mm. Just uh, yes. mentioning matches finished on Monday afternoon. Yes. Do you want to tell us uh, what the fallout is so far? No, uh, that there will be a, a, a match that will decide the, the one who gets promoted to first division uh, from National B because there were a thrilling f- a final uh, ending of the, of the tournament there uh, with Aldo Civi, Samantha Tucumán, and Almagro with possibilities to, to get their ticket or well, to get their promotion. Um, no one were, were, was able to, to do so. Uh, Almagro, with a with win, Almagro would have been promoted. Uh, remember when I told you not to discard uh, or not to get Almagro out of the fight for the title, mm. as they have experience in, in going up also down. But uh, it's a team, and they are uh, being coached by, or, or the coach of Almagro is one. Uh, very known former player like Sebastian Bataglia, the former Boca oh. midfielder. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Dan didn't mention that last week when he was discussing, so, albeit briefly, the uh, the impending. I don't remember the, well, the, the neither the the, the the venue or the time, but on, there will be a match on Thursday between Alosivia and Almagro to decide that that place. They were talking about doing it at Ferro, weren't they? But then they, apparently it said, no, we haven't confirmed anything yet and it's not going to be there. No. And, so, uh, yeah, we'll find out in a minute where it is going to be. Um, and the one who went back to the Primera B Metropolitana is a team that uh, not so long ago was in the first division, like all boys. Oh, really? Yes. They got relegated? Yes. Wow. Didn't, I hadn't followed that. Um, the main talking point from the weekend in the Superliga was not what was happening on the pitch, but the um, frequent... As uh, particularly as, as some of our Patreon supporters um, will know, if, if you have access to the um, Hand of Pod Extra episodes, which you get for five dollars a month, um, you will have heard me mention this on on Sunday evenings. Hand of Pod Extra. Um, thank you very much, by the way, to everybody who is supporting, and, and please, you know, continue to sign up. I'll be launching another tier quite soon of it, um, and we'll have an extra episode as well after after this one, as we did last week. Um, as well, um, but yeah, I mentioned really that the, the main talking point for the weekend was conspiracy theories. Um, it, it was this idea that I don't know whether whether people think that Achillesi controls the weather, but 
we're not that far away from people actually saying that, I think, at this stage. Because it seemed fairly clear to me that the pitch was going to be unplayable, but I got home at three o'clock on Sunday morning, just barely before the storm really hit, and the road just across, literally just outside here, was completely underwater. Um, it, it, it did not seem at all unlikely to me that the match was going to be called off, and yet a lot of people, not Boca fans of course, were up in arms about it. Um, what did you make of it? Well, you mean the, the, the match that was called off between Gimnasia and Boca, yeah. that should have been played uh, on Sunday morning, morning in Argentina morning and uh, afternoon, European afternoon. Well, uh, now it was impossible to play. What this lets, it's like always in Argentine football, is why, for example, River Boca ha, has, you mentioned, I think, in the, well, uh, not in, uh, not here, uh, recording, but the River Boca Waterpolo Super Clásico, in which uh, that match, because perhaps it was River Boca, it was played, actually played, and yeah. conditions of the pitch were similar to perhaps the ones in, in La Plata. Uh, so it's strange because of that only, not because of the conditions, of the real conditions of the, of the pitch that, like you said, uh, the most in, uh, intelligent or smart decision was n not to for the match to be played because it would have been uh, perhaps the well the danger of having a lesson, uh, a, a, an injury, uh, a lesson. <laughs> Uh, an injury or well uh, to have the ball not uh, rolling enough to yeah. be so uh, if you if you talk about that well the decision was correct nothing to say about it the the perhaps not suspicious but uh, strange thing is that the referee Tesh Tesho first said yes it's okay let's play and 15 minutes after yeah. he said no well we won't play this match I think that there's always this. I mean, I think it's the same reason that that Super Classico that you mentioned got played was that you can't sort of call off the Super Classico, and this this guy didn't want to call off the match, which could have seen Boca, as it transpired, not quite win the league because of Godoy Cruz's win on Friday night. Um, but he didn't want to be the one to call off the match, which could have seen Boca go six points clear with six points remaining um, to be played for. And and so I think that there, there is a certain nervousness there. I think if it had been. You know, no disrespect to any of the other teams, but if it, if it had been basically any other fixture this weekend, if it had been Newell's Independiente or Patronato San Lorenzo or something under those conditions, the referee wouldn't have hesitated 45 minutes before kick-off to say, yeah, we can't play this. But when it's River or Boca, this, there seems to be something in... Because I, I guess because they know what the reaction's going to be as well. Yes. You know, I mean, especially him. If, if he knows, oh, God, if I call this off, they're going to be accusing me of deliberately doing it to give Boca more time to prepare for this really important Libertadores game they've got. And that must affect your thinking. I mean, it, it must make him less willing, even than, than, than you normally would be, um, to call the match off as, as a match official. Um, yes, and not a, a, a simple Copa Libertadores match, but mm. one match in which if they lose it, they are out. Yeah, uh, uh, this is uh, Boca are away to Atletico Junior in the stifling humidity of Barranquilla in... One hour and five minutes that game kicks off roughly. Um, so we will obviously, I'll bring you the, the full time score from that as well as from Atletico Tucumán's match against, um, it's being played at the same time annoyingly, against uh, Peñarol um, at, at the end of this uh, episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, Boca are under a lot of pressure and obviously in those circumstances, Boca 
you know, when, when they saw the opportunity to, or, or not the opportunity, when they, they when they realised there was a possibility of the match being called off on Sunday, I'm sure that there were people involved at Boca who were thinking, well, this, this would actually kind of help us in a way. But that's not yes. the same thing as saying that they went out last week and started pressuring from the first moment. Yes. Any excuse to get the match called no, off, no, no, of course, and that the rain was Ankhilisi doing a deal with the devil to to allow it to happen or whatever, which is the impression, as I say, that you would get from a lot of the nonsense that got yes. talked about on Twitter. Yes, pro- provided the conditions of the pitch and the, well, the weather conditions uh, more than the pitch, because uh, the pitch was awful, but if the rain wouldn't have, it would have been pouring rain uh, when uh, the, the match should have been played, it, that would have been one thing, but uh, no, it was raining, still raining. So, uh, yes, they might have thought, well, this is good for us and we will take advantage of the calling off of the match. Mm. But not, of course, uh, pressing like Angelisi admitted having to, having done uh, a referee or, or the uh, discipline committee to, to not to, to suspend the player so that he was able to play a match. In this case, it wasn't like that. It was well. We will try to play, but if it, if it's, if not because the rain uh, doesn't uh, let us play, well, it's okay for us because we have a three a match, four days, uh, three days uh, in three time, and we need fresh legs to to face that match. Yeah, indeed. As I say, those matches are probably uh, along with Racing Arsenal, which was then uh, it was called off, admittedly, with rather more notice. Um, Boca Himnasio Himnasio Boca was I think officially called off about quarter of an hour before kickoff, um, whereas Racing Arsenal was called off quite shortly afterwards yes. um, when it was going to be the eight pm kickoff. Um, so you know it, it, there was a little bit less there, but even then you had some people going, oh, they're, they're now calling off Racing Arsenal so that it doesn't look quite as dodgy that they that they're doing Boca a favour. And you were like, I mean, what time did these people go to bed the night before? Did they not realise it had been raining? It was. Biblical. Yeah, it was one, yes, but one sixth of the annual rainfall in London. It's, in, it's in true that there were differences between one match in which you were about to play and the other one in which six hours before uh, it was already called off. Well, oh, of course, yeah, but that would have meant the referee getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go and call off. Yes, of course. Pocket, you know, yes. I mean, if this is. It's the Apple's fault for scheduling an 11am kickoff as much as anything, yes. in my opinion. Anyway, so the the official hand of Podline on um, on on con, uh, controversial uh, match callings off and conspiracy theories is that uh, the conspiracy is indeed a conspiracy rather than well, it's a conspiracy theory rather than an actual conspiracy. There are more reasons in order to to not to believe in this new alpha than this uh, call off of the match. Indeed, absolutely, that, that's a fine way of putting it. Um, elsewhere, the matches that did take place at the weekend throw up, I thought, uh, from, from the ones that I caught, relatively few highlights. Huracan Atletico Tucumán was a notable exception. Um, a five-goal thriller. I, I hesitate, really. It, it, it's not a full-on five-goal thriller in, in that, really, Huracan um, got themselves um, a, a goal ahead really early on in the game. The first, the rest of the first half was was quite dull actually Atletico Tucumán then came back into it very early in the second half Ignacio Puceto's opener for Huracán I think was scored exactly 1 minute and 30 seconds in and uh, Ismael Blanco's equaliser was scored 1 minute and 42 seconds into the second half if I remember correctly um, but then Huracán sort of got themselves back in front and largely looked the better team 
um, uh, managed to make it a two-goal cushion with 13 minutes to go. So by the time Hernan Echalar um, pulled one more back for Atletico Tucumán, it was sort of it was already a done thing. Really, it, it was perhaps not the rampant sort of roller coaster style finish or match that you expect from something that gets called a, th- a five-goal thriller. But there were five goals, and yes. it was reasonably entertaining. It wasn't you know boring. Um, and one of the better games of, of the weekend. I was impressed with Puseto, who's been one of Huracan's best yes. players. Pablo Alvarez, who, who scored the second goal, I think, second or third? Second. Um, also looked good. And it puts Huracan, more to the point, up into... They are almost time, qualified. Third. To Copa del Toros, right? Or yeah. At, at, at full time of that match, they went third. And then San Lorenzo getting that draw away to Patronato... Um, a little bit later, if I'm remembering this, the, the way around that this all happened. Yes, the following day, in fact, um, meant that San Lorenzo now leapfrogged them again. Their great rivals, Huracan, um, into third place. But Huracan are fourth. Uh, they are two points clear of Tacheres, who slipped up, did they? Yes. I can't remember what they did. Oh yeah, they lost three nil away to Union. Um, which puts Tacheres out of the Libertadores spots because Tacheres are sixth. So at the moment, the automatic Libertadores spots are held by Boca, of course, who I believe have already qualified mathematically now because they are, oh yeah, easily, they're eight points ahead of Independiente um, in fifth place. Uh, by Godoy Cruz, of course, in second, who haven't quite, I apologise for the, the beeping in the background, by the way, um, on behalf of my neighbours and people passing through my neighbourhood. Godoy Cruz haven't quite qualified yet for the Libertadores no, not even for the playoffs. Mathematically, Godoy Cruz can still finish sixth. It's not going to happen. They're sixth clear of Tacheres, um, but it can still it can still happen. Um, and San Lorenzo in third with forty seven points, and Huracan in fourth with forty six points. Independiente have that uh, fifth spot for the moment, which is a place in the second qualifying round of the Libertadores um, with forty five points, and then Tacheres at top of the Sudamericana spots with forty four. Um, so. I was I was surprised by the Tacheres result, I have to say. Yes. Um, Union, of course, are chasing hard for a Sudamericana spot. And indeed... Oh, I just clicked the wrong button on that. So that's Perhaps the defeat against Boca... Uh, they took them to reality. And, and while they realised they couldn't uh, finally grab the, the title, perhaps... Uh, how was the result of Godoy Cruz against Boca? Uh, I don't remember because that... Sometimes that uh, matches gives you a measure, and well, in the case of Boca ta- against Tacheres was the match of for Tacheres to finally uh, reach or well try to uh, realize whether they were uh, able to to fight for the title or not. Yeah, God- Godoy Cruz lost to Boca four one in the Bombonera, but that was the third weekend of the oh, season, okay. so a long time ago. And of course, they've since put together this astonishing run they're on at the moment. Um, which has consisted of seven wins and one draw in their last eight matches, um, with Argentinos away and Tigre at home to come. Um, Boca, of course, have the game in hand, which is is the tricky thing. But yeah, you're quite right to to mention Tacheres um, were on a fine run themselves before they went to the Bombonera and lost 3-1, was it? I can't remember. Um, 2-1 away to Boca. And since then, they have lost three of the subsequent four games um, so overall they've lost four of their last five including the Boca game 2-1 uh, away to Boca 2-0 away to Ind- at home to Independiente 
Um, 2-1 away to Newell's, which is the really surprising result here. And then 3-0 this, this most recent game away to Union. Uh, a week and a half ago, they beat Gimnasia 2-0 at home. Um, but uh, it, it, the wheels have fallen off a little bit. They, they can still very much finish in the Libertadores spots, but they need to pick themselves up. And they've got a tricky home fixture uh, this coming weekend as well against Huracan. They do finish off away to Olimpo. So they ought to have at least three points um, in the bag from these two remaining matches. But it's going to be asking a lot of them to get the result that they need against Huracan this weekend to, to keep up that Libertadores push. Um, given that, as I say, Huracan are, are pretty well motivated and, and playing fairly decent stuff at the moment themselves. Um, other matches in the weekend that were not quite as entertaining as Huracan against Atletico Tucumán. We're going to have to mention it. Patronato against San Lorenzo. Well, the two nil nil, I think, uh, matches. Yeah. The, the only two uh, matches that ended with no goals. I think that that reflects the the, the quality of the of the games. Uh, In both, both cases, yeah. Yes, uh, San Lorenzo. Well, uh, San Lorenzo. I think that was another team that already knew that they were almost out of the title race, and well, they needed perhaps a, a three points. Win to to uh, just uh, get their their qualification to Copa Libertadores, perhaps more safe, and yeah. well, they couldn't. Uh, I, I I watched the the likely the summary uh, the, the 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 three or four minutes that Superliga gets uh, gives when when the matches are finished, and yes, they they, they try to reach the box uh, of Patronato, but with very very weak uh, attempts. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was a really dull game. We, we've given Patronato some praise at times this season for um, for playing decent stuff and Sebastián Ribas particularly for leading the line. But both Ribas and the rest of Patronato um, have kind of fallen off a lot during the last couple of months, really, almost since the turn of the year. Um, they have not managed to um, to continue the fine form that they were in in 2017, and they are down now in 20th in the league, and they're going to be one of the teams who are going to be involved in the relegation battle next season um, and for San Lorenzo who, who are third and have been second for a fair bit of the season until Godoy Cruz and, and Tacheres, um got involved up there it's just I, I, I hear people sometimes you know or, or you read people on Twitter um, saying that, that the fact that Boca um, are top of the league and are going to win a second league in a row and, and with Guillermo Barros Ecolotto particularly uh, not always giving the impression of somebody who really knows what he's doing when it comes to managing a, a top level football team um, that this speaks poorly about the quality of the Argentine league I'm not necessarily sure it does because I think Boca show a lot of, of resilience and spirit and they have a very talented squad but what does speak poorly about the Argentine league is that San Lorenzo are third in it at the moment because sorry San Lorenzo fans but they're just I know I say this every and week, at what point they really were really serious uh, competitor to Boca mm. yeah I mean I'm, I'm going to look up the result the, the yes. sequence of results where are they San Lorenzo yeah there are some teams that uh, well it's perhaps early to to, to uh, make a, some kind of balance or, or final commentary or conclusion but uh, teams like Ode Cruz like Tacheres like Independiente like Defensa Justicia uh, gives you like well yes I will watch a, a match in of the Superliga because these these teams independently of the team you support are good to see are are yeah. are they try to play well and and 
well of, of course look to the other uh, goal uh, the, the goal of the of the rivals and yes and also is a, a case in which you say teams. how come they are third yeah uh, they they lost one of their first 11 matches um, 12 matches sorry one of their first 12 um, and yet they're just no good to watch I mean the reason that I catch them most weekends is, is that I think well they're one of the big five and I've got hand a pot to record <laughs> so I don't really have a choice I've got to watch them assuming that they're not on it you know some daft yes. time that gets in the way of wanting to go out and do yes. something I, I, I would have perhaps rushing when from from the uh, round in which Chacho Kudet uh, was in charge of the bench in which you say well it's a attractive team to watch even when they are commit, making some mistakes mm. in, the, in their backs yeah. in their back now but they are attracted, they are, they are all the time going forward. Uh, so, yeah, there are cases in, to mention both uh, uh, sides. The ones you like to watch and the others that you say, well, it's incredible that they are in that position. Yeah, for sure. Um, Godoy Cruz against San Martín, the Clásico de Cusho. Uh, Julián said last week that he was looking forward to seeing what happened and whether San Martín could throw a spanner in Godoy Cruz's title hopes. Uh, the answer to that ultimately was no. Godoy Cruz really fairly, you know, comfortably controlled the match from from what I caught of it. Um, they took the lead 12 minutes in through Victoria Ramis. Santiago Garcia got the second really, really early on, um, in, within the first minute of the second half kicking off. Um, and that was that, really. I mean, San Martín did not offer up as much resistance as I was expecting them to, with the exception of being quite naughty because they had two people sent off. Matias Escudero and Claudio Mosca both got themselves sent off quite yes. late on. Um, the other day, there were an interview that was made from a, a show uh, from the, of TC Sports um, to the president of Godoy Cruz, Mansur, mm. uh, because it's incredible, or well, it's remarkable, not so incredible. It's a, uh, now it's not a, a I think casualty or, or something that they. Uh, uh, well, that they were lucky in the cho- in the chose uh, choosing their their coach and some of the players of the of the of the squad that made them be in the position they are right now, and they are doing this from some time ago. It's not from now on only. Uh, from now only, uh, for example, well, Dabobe, the coach that is not very known, it's not uh, uh, Guillermo Barrasqueloto who had already had. Uh, uh, experience in Lanús, for example, winning Copa Sudamericana, even or well, Gallardo being champions in, in Uruguay with Nacional, or well, the coaches that you knew that could give you an idea of the of the, of the play of the, what they will try to do. In the case of Dabobe, he was a, a trainer of goalkeepers. I think you, yeah, it was the goalkeeping coach. Yeah, uh, mentioned this uh, some time ago and. Well, Dabobe, who is he? Or rather, sorry, he was an ex-goalkeeper and I think he became goalkeeping coach for a couple of lower division sides and then he was Godoy Cruz's either under-20 or reserve coach. Yes. But he was he was the goalkeeper coach until January last year and then got promoted to under-20 or reserve coach and then yes. a year later got the first team job. Yes. Um, then, yeah. well, Morro Garcia, it's uh, obvious to say that uh, he was a... Uh, I, I will perhaps compare him with, I don't know, Valerio... A river that they they sign sign him and just immediately start scoring goals and now he's the perhaps the most visible face of the campaign of Godoy Cruz mm. being the of course the goal scorer maximum goal scorer of the of this of the tournament and and I think 
obviously we'll, we'll have to have a conversation um, about this uh, when we come to record at the very end of the season. But he's, he's going to be one of the contenders for player of the season, I would think, if Godoy Cruz keep this, this impressive form up in these last two matches. Um, he, he would have to be in the conversation. Yes. In, in my opinion. Um, Racing we can't talk about, unfortunately. They, they normally entertain us and they were playing Arsenal so they were almost certain to get a big win but as we've mentioned already, that was called off. Uh, but Vélez got a second consecutive win after all of the slagging off I've done of them saying they don't win enough which means that Gabriel Hainsey's team have now won as many matches under Gabriel Hainsey as they had under the previous manager in the first half of the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being a little bit bitchy about them there. Um, but it, it was, you know, a, a win, only 1 0, but at home against Banfield, who are a fairly well organised team. Um, and it does mean that since taking charge in the 13th round of the season, Hainsey has only lost, as I mentioned already, three matches. Um, so they've now won four, lost three, and drawn how many? One, two, three, four, five, six under Hainsey. Whereas in the first 12 matches of the season, um, they're... Oh, no, sorry, the first 11. Oh, no, because they had their 11 and uh, 12th matches switch, switch round, didn't they? Um, they? They won four, drew two, and lost six. So the, the vote is floating right Indeed, now. yeah. They, uh, been, as we mentioned already, purely by getting them to score goals, he's made them much harder to beat. And I continue to think, I mean, they're not, they're not blowing me away yet, but I do think, as I said a week ago and a couple of weeks ago, um, that if they can make the, the right kind of defensive um, adjustments, I think they probably need at least one signing in, in, at the, cent- in the centre-back area um, for next season. It wouldn't surprise me if they're quite a lot higher up the table because if they can stop scoring goals, I mean, the draws that they've had under Hainsey, the two draws that they had um, under the previous two managers this season were both nil-nil, away to Tacheres and away to Lanús. And since Gabriel Hainsey's come in, the draws have been... 2-2 away to Belgrano, 2-2 at home to Racing, 1-1 against Arsenal, 3-3 at home to Estudiantes, 0-0 uh, at home to Colón, and 2-2 at home to San Lorenzo. Sorry, 0-0 away to Colón. Um, you know, that, that illustrates straight away, and all of the defeats that they had under the previous managers, they didn't score a goal in them. 0-4, So that, that you know, illustrates quite nicely that scoring goals can make a big difference and if they can now stop conceding them at yeah, some point it will be good for them especially for the, the, the kids that are uh, playing their first matches in the in first division mm. to get some regularity which is the most difficult part in it for a team uh, especially in Argentina where uh, that uh, to maintain or to keep a good uh, strike is, is well I, as I say the, the most difficult part but uh, because I, I remember one month ago or so to to compare the, the Rosario Central kids to the Vélez kids, saying that the, the the Central kids were much better. Well, and right now it's the other, just yeah. the other way. But Vélez is a, they're certainly enjoying going forward as well. And Lucas Robertoni, um, as I think has been one of the revelations of this second half of the season. We'd heard his name before, um, but just playing in a more forward-looking manner and with a little bit more confidence. And of course, we've mentioned several times. Uh, in recent weeks, what a difference Mauro Sarate has made in tying the whole attack together. But interestingly, Mauro Sarate did not play in this win against Banfield, so that suggests that the confidence is coming into the team as a whole, um, together perhaps with, with some new level of organisation, because keeping a clean sheet against an attack consisting of Pablo Molce, Dario Svitanic and Jesus Datolo you know, isn't to be sniffed at either. Who knows? But I do think that they need 
probably a signing or two at centre back yes. to be properly competitive next season. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if one signing and hanging on to the, the youngsters that they've got could uh, could see a vast improvement for the next campaign. You talk about Belis? Yes. Or ah, because they oh, have right. I think Tortiglieri right now is back at the at the club uh, after playing for Boca, Racing, uh, Rosario Central, um, and now they are he's back at Belis with well. Uh, quite a lot of experience, but, yeah, well, but uh, I'm not sure how much he's playing for. Uh, them. Yes, perhaps yeah. he's not, but uh, uh, he's sure played he's five not. matches for them all oh, season. Okay. So, I mean, age is catching up. I think more than anything, and, and they could really use because, as I said last last week, having Fabian Cubero as your main person, who the the youngsters are looking up to in terms of how to behave and how to defend, is is not really the best um, example the to best, be set in. No, the best guy in for, my for opinion. Teams. Independiente, as they have tended to, one one nil away. Not an awful lot to say about that, really. No. Uh, yes. Did you catch any of it? Not very much. It was on Please. Saturday afternoon, and Saturday was um, that bit of the afternoon was was we were able to go out because it wasn't raining, so we did before the storm hit. Uh, but Gaston Silva scored the only goal of the game with oh I can remember that actually yeah, now, now that I've read it right on the stroke of half time uh, with a vicious hit from a corner I think the ball got swung over from the far side and Silva then the left back um, I say vicious he, he swung hard at it and it sort of bounced in um, it was a bit of a scuff but it, it, yes, overall it wasn't a, uh, a very well hit ball but and it even bounced in a defender I think mm. so it was between Silva and the defender but uh, I think it was awarded to him it was a so. deflate it was, it was on target so it wasn't an own goal yeah. um but um, yeah, I mean, Newell's after, if I remember correctly, being quite impressive the previous week. I can't remember who that was against. Let me see whether I can find them here. Uh, wait for this to load. Come on. Oh no, they weren't very impressive. Well, of course, they lost three-one uh, to Boca. I was thinking of the two-one win over Tacheres the week before that. Yes. Um, that's... But they, they've they've hit that slump again. They've now got to finish off at home to Defensa Justicia and away to Gimnasia. So I mean, both of those are matches that I can see. Newell's either winning or losing the way that they've been playing in, in recent weeks but I, I'm going to err towards losing them to be honest um, and apart from that there's not an awful lot of other really big talking points to go through I don't think from this weekend not very much are there? no not that I can think of so we're going to take a break now this is going to be a relatively short episode uh, which is great because it means we can concentrate on the Boca game afterwards in Barranquilla um don't go away we'll answer some listeners questions afterwards and no doubt we'll think of something else as well while we're listening to this lovely music have one update um, which Andres mentioned during the break just now uh, we did promise you that we would keep you updated with, with developments in the cases involving the sexual abuse um, at Independiente and River um, or not at the club as such because there's no suggestion the clubs are involved directly but um, surrounding the clubs let's say um, one is that the other day 
uh, a journalist, Gustavo Gravia, who's done a lot of writing about the dark side of football, the Barra Bravas in particular, um, and in a lot of talking on television and radio, um, apparently said in on his uh, or one of his slots on Teise Sports Television um, that two Independiente players who, let's say, are or have been quite recently uh, first-team members of the Independiente squad um, were, were victims of, of this uh, paedophile ring. Um, Gravia t- said the names out loud on air, which is something that surprises me, given that he's supposedly a professional journalist who knows what the limits are, um, because, of course, that can affect the case. So if you happen to come across these names, please don't go retweeting or speaking any more about it or whatever, because, you know, for the same reason we're not doing it, it, it could uh, affect the trial. Um, it really surprises me that he can get away with that, though. I, I, I know I'm coming at this again from, from somebody who's from Britain and used to British laws regarding this kind of thing. But that's just... just In terms of journalistic ethics, it's really not on to name the people in question. But it, it was uh, mentioned by other journalists of the channel, like a bomb. Like you may... You, you will say uh, uh, the primicia or something that is breaking news uh in a, in a, in any channel you will tell this like uh, oh breaking news uh, a journalist said that uh, uh, two players that are ha- are playing right now or have been playing recently in, in the first division of independiente are have been victims of this sexual abuse uh, mm. net network or uh, or so and yes, it is really strange uh, the way in which they they proceed they they the way treated the, this this thing, which is serious, which is uh, nothing to say on on air, uh, so it's yes, it's really uh, weird. But well, uh, there was some kind of scandal uh, yesterday on, on Twitter because, of course, independiente uh, journalists that cover uh, journalists that cover independiente, as well as of course supporters, uh, it, they were like. Uh, uh, well, they couldn't believe this because it, of course, talks about Independiente and players that that are uh, right now there. Uh, so yes, it's uh, something uh, really, really surprising. It is. Sorry, uh, I received a message on my oh, phone okay. and was a bit distracted. Um, we'll move on to listeners' questions anyway now on a on a much <laughs> yes. lighter note. Uh, we have only had a couple. They are from Tom Robinson, who says, If Boca go out of the Libertadores tonight, is that curtains for Guillermo Barros Esqueloto? And will Carlitos go on another holiday? With holiday in inverted commas. Um, it's quite rare that we get a question that could leave us, um, that could almost be completely redundant by the time this goes live, because of course, if Boca win, then they very much won't be out of the Libertadores. Um, but yeah, I think if they don't make the knockout stages. Yes whether it's tonight or next week or whenever the last uh, group match is, um, it's going to be tricky for him to stay, isn't it? I mean, Well, th- there are two, two ways of, of, of seeing it of, or, or uh, watching it because for, in one hand you have uh, Pablo Perez, the world captain of, of Boca, saying that, well, if things go wrong uh, in Copa Libertadores, we have the almost uh, 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 for sure the buy... The two two times championship for us. Uh, we they they will become two times champions in a row. Um, 
And in the other hand, you have Daniel Angelici, Angelici the president of Boca, saying, I don't even think on, on uh, about uh, losing against Junior. Uh, uh, well, uh, like making this, or, or saying, not saying, but saying at the same time that it will be terrible for them not to advance to the uh, uh, round of 16 of Copa Libertadores. Mm. Um, so yes, it's strange uh, the way they put it because you have these these two ways of of of, of seeing it. Uh, yeah, I mean realistically, it, it was the the main focus for Boca this year it was supposed to be the Libertadores. So if they don't make the knockout stages, you would think that that uh, Barros Echelotto or the Barros Echelotto, in fact, but both GBSs um, will be on the way out in in fairly short order. Of course, the, the finish the end of the league campaign might well postpone that by a week or two. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, and as I said, it, it might be a case of you know that they might end up winning comfortably uh, in this match, which is now kicking off in 35 minutes. And we might be wondering, well, why did Tommy even think to ask this question? By the time I, I it's don't live, see, but... I don't see Shermo resigning. Uh, what, what, it will, could be possible for Angelici saying, mm. I didn't expect to be out of the Copenhagen so soon, so I have to fire your, your I have to suck. Yeah, yeah but, uh, the, the other thing is that it has to be said that for all of the lobbying um, and, and, and the uh, trying, if not necessarily succeeding, because as we've already said, I don't really agree with uh, all of the conspiracy theories, but that's not to say that I don't think Angelisi is trying to do this stuff. I just don't think it's necessarily what's always behind it. Um, but Angelisi could certainly have, have helped the team out in certain times by just not putting so much pressure on them. At the moment, after all of their recent defeats or disappointing results, whether it's in the league or the Libertadores, after the Supercopa against River, um, after uh, the defeat to Palmeiras last week in the Libertadores, there are, there's stuff you know on, on the sports news shows the next day saying, Angelisi visited the players today. Yes. Like, well, more pressure it, it, than, the way, than, the, than when he became president, saying mm. to the socios, the members of Boca, saying, uh, well, get your passport prepared, ready to yeah. Japan because the, the 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 we will get or, or we will work on on all the other stuff, which means winning Copa Libertadores to get their ticket to Japan and play the World Cup Club Cup. Yeah, precisely. Um, so in in some ways, the president is is That's maybe to blame as well for building up expectation, adding to the pressure. Yes. But he's not going to go if Boca go out and the Barros Equilotos might do. Also, English Dan replied to this one on Twitter and said, I would personally say yes to both. Will Tevez go on another holiday, do we think? No, uh, well, uh, the other day I heard that uh, uh, I, don't know, I don't remember who said that Tevez said that, uh, that if he won Copa Libertadores mm-hmm. he will retire because I, I, can't, I can't do anything else. But if he loses it, he will try again next year. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, but um, uh, what will be strange will be well how Boca celebrates the the second domestic or well, national the Superliga or Argentine first division title uh, being out of Copeladores, assuming that uh, supporters that the Angelisi that the all 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 of the Boca world world mm. like, like uh, is usual to be said. Uh, the only thing that they want is Copa Libertadores, or the most important thing is Copa Libertadores. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nate Cubetta says, other than the home of the team you support, what's your favourite ground in Argentina? 
I'm going to give the same answer I give every time somebody asks this question. Huracan. Ground war for team? Stadium. Ah, stadium. Yes. Uh, I haven't been as incredible amazing to the... Uh, um, I mean, the I, I forgot the name. <laughs> the Huracan Stadium. The Palacio. Uh, Palacio Duco, sorry. Uh, but I will stick with Vélez uh, Stadium because I have been there and it's beautiful. It's very modern. Yes. Or, well, by Argentine standards. Yes. Uh, it's very modern and almost European, Vélez is, yeah. But I, I like Huracans for the, the architecture and the look of it all as well. It's, it's beautiful. Um, Nate has also uh, volunteered to do the predictions, so you'll hear him taking me on in a short while. Um, Chris Hartley is going to do them next week. And Mystic Wayward from Hayward sent in his predictions, but after Nate had volunteered. So, unfortunately, Mystic Wayward, if you want to go for it on the final weekend of the season... Then let me know. I think it's going to be the final weekend, right? That's in two weeks. Yes, in June. two weeks to go. Tuesday. So next week. Oh no, no, sorry. Yeah. So Chris is, is already sorted then for the final weekend, isn't he? Um, we'll have to try and work something out during the World Cup as well for predictions. Um, is that it? A, a second segment of only ten minutes. Is there nothing else we oh. can talk about? There must be something else we've forgotten. Uh, well, uh, we have. We could say that San Paoli has had meetings with players in Europe, like Icardi. Which I don't know whether. Oh, I didn't. Okay, tell us about that because I I haven't heard. It's the meeting. I think that Icardi will be in the thirty-five list, not mm-hmm. in the twenty-three list. Uh, he has the perhaps uh, need to talk with him and and see how he is and and tell him, ah, uh, well, we you will be in the thirty-five list, but then it will be very very hard for him uh, to be in the twenty-three list. The the thing we have been telling. We have been talking about the all of this time, goes, uh, and even I, I think is and English Dan I think also says said this stupid to release the thirty five list when it's almost obvious mm. the players that will be out of that list. And in his defence, San Paulo has said the same thing. He's, he said that that he doesn't really like this. That that when he took Chile to the uh, to the last World Cup. He didn't like having to cut those 12 people at the end after then training for such a long time. And so this time, FIFA require him to release a list of 35 players. And um, he said that the the extra 12 are going to be called up knowing that they're basically reserves, that they'll only get in if one of the other get, others gets a serious injury. Um, on a similar note, uh, he uh, Sampaoli has met up with uh, Gonzalo Higuain and Paolo Dybala, both um, of Juventus, of course. And apparently they are both in the list of 23. That which means that the people who keep tweeting us every other week and asking, why isn't Dybala going to be in the squad? Uh, well, he is. So stop it, please. Um, although this is according to Ole, so not necessarily the most reliable. Yes, uh, yeah, according to the, the that uh, incredible thing they published, and they published it in the home, in the, well, of course, their website uh, about the gold thing with uh, Messi. Oh, God, I've forgotten about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to explain... Uh, well, according to Ole, uh, goat means cabra, which the, the animal mm. in, in, in English. And, uh, and the word goat sounds like God. Yes. And that's why... Oh, my God. That's why people on Twitter use goat emojis to refer to Lionel Messi. According yeah. to somebody who works for Ole and couldn't even be bothered to Google what G-O-A-T means yes. uh, in a sporting context in modern-day parlance. Yes, talking um, about Messi, of course. Yes, indeed. Anyway... 
Uh, well, uh, yes, according to Ole, you, you, we should uh, say it with like, inverted commas, but um, well, if they talked, if he talked with, with Ibarra and Iwain, Iwain, I think he will, of course, be in the 23rd, in the 23rd list. Uh, not Dybala, but well, with this Aguero injury, uh, that it's not uh, 100% sure that he will be fit for for the World Cup. It makes sense to for Dybala to be noticed. Well, if Aguero doesn't uh, uh, isn't 100% physically in his physical form, you will be there, but not Icardi. Uh, yeah, I think he won't be there. But uh, the, the news is that he. Uh, in the in the round of, of meetings he had with uh, the players in Europe, uh, one of those meetings was with Icardi. Mm, uh, yeah, um, we will obviously continue to to discuss this stuff as we get closer to the World Cup. Um, I'm also very aware, by the way, if, if you've become a Patreon supporter already or you're thinking of it, um, that we historically on Hand of Pod have not tended to record very much when the domestic football season hasn't been on. Obviously, if you're paying for it, it, when people are paying for it every month, um, <coughs> excuse me, that will change a little bit. We, are, I'm going to try and uh, keep up weekly episodes. They might be somewhat shorter, obviously, when there's no league football to talk about each weekend. But we are going to, to try to record every um, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, even when the Super League is not happening, uh, because you know I, I don't want anybody to, to feel shortchanged. If you're generous enough to uh, give us some money each month then you should be getting a podcast on a regular basis. So we'll be racking up more episode numbers per year than previously, particularly with only 27 weeks of Superliga action this season. But um, like you said, uh, when Superliga ends, that we, we will be much closer to the World Cup. To, to, Precisely, to take part, yes, so we'll be covering that. We'll look at, um, at some other stories. I'm sure we can come up with some historical bits and pieces to tell people as well. Um, so, you know, do as I said already. No, I'll keep saying it. Uh, if you haven't already supported us on Patreon, then please consider doing so. And if you already are supporting us on Patreon, then thank you very, very much indeed. And we hope that you enjoy the extras that you're getting. The only thing that I will add to this well national team uh, subject is that with the elimination of Roma today, Rome today against mm-hmm. Liverpool of Champions to Champions League, there will be no Argentinian players in the final of the Champions League. Because uh, for Rome, for Roma it was Perotti and Fasio playing, ah. and, and uh, well, they won't be there. So, not officially because they have still to play. Uh, in the case of the Italian, uh, the players that play in Italy in the, mm-hmm. in the Serie A in the culture, uh, still to play one or two rounds. Well, I don't remember, but it's still to decide the Scudetto, the, the title. So they will be playing there, but after that they won't be. Uh, they won't have any more activity or official activity until the World Cup. No, indeed. So that's good news of a sort yes. for Argentine fans. Uh, of course, Fasio is a centre-back who's just been involved in a semi-final in which his team conceded seven goals, was it, in the end? Yes. How, how, did, it, how did it finish? 4-2, didn't it, tonight? So, yeah. Um, so that's you know perhaps less good news, particularly considering yes. that Otamendi did something similar in the previous round. Um, yes. But there we are. What, what, what can you say um, the music that you hear next is going to be Mystic Sam's theme music and together with myself as I mentioned already Mystic Nate or possibly Nate I hadn't really considered that it might be yes. a Latin name which is a bit well scary. Cubeta should be the like the the Cubeta yeah. in, you mean in Spanish it has a meaning so perhaps 
Nate uh, or Nate, get, get in touch and tell me how to pronounce your name if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, but yeah, it'll be Mystic Me against Mystic, uh, however that's pronounced, uh, in one minute. Don't go away. This weekend's fixtures are as follows, as I suppress a small Mate burp there. Um, San Martin versus Belle Sarsfield. Nate or Nate is going for, I'm just going to call him Nate, uh, is going to go for a Belle Sarsfield victory there. I'm going for a draw, I think. Oh, I need to note these down on my own predictions. Uh, San Lorenzo versus Belgrano. Nate's going for a Belgrano victory. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw in that one as well. Argentinos Juniors versus Godoy Cruz. We're both agreeing with each other. Godoy Cruz should win that one. Arsenal versus Rosario Central. Again, both in agreement that Central are going to get a win there. Newell's Old Boys versus Defensa Justicia. Hmm, Nate's going for a draw. I think... Ooh, that's a really tricky one to call. Uh, I'm going to go for a Defensa Justicia win. A third consecutive away win for me, uh, from these predictions, that is. Tacheres versus Huracan. Nate's going for a Tacheres win. I'm going to go for a draw in that one. Uh, Atletico Tucumán against Olimpo. We're both in unison, calling for an Atletico win. Tempele versus Patronato. Nate is saying draw. I'm saying Patronato. Independiente versus Gimnasia. Nate's saying Independiente to win. I think Independiente will win as well. Tigre versus Lanús. Nate reckons Tigre. I think that's a draw. Boca Juniors versus Union. Ooh, Nate thinks it's a draw. Boca dropping some points. Um, I'm going to go for a Boca win. I, I think it's inevitable, which of course would see them all but tie up the league title. Um, Estudiantes versus Racing. Nate reckons Racing to win. So do I. Estudiantes are pretty pedestrian at the moment. Banfield versus Chacarita Juniors. Um, Nate reckons that's a draw. I think it's going to be a Banfield win. And Colón versus River. Nate's going to go for a Colón victory. I will go for a River Plate win. That one is, and it's not just the order of the fixture list, but I checked this earlier, uh, it is on Monday night. Yes. Because River, uh, oh, because they're away in, in the Libertadores on Thursday tomorrow, aren't they? Um, yes. So that's why that is. Um, particularly... But also in Bogotá, right? Or is it in Medellín? It's, they're playing Independiente Santa Fe, so that's going to be it's in Bogotá. Bogotá. Um, I see, unless it's been moved to Medellin for some reason, but yeah, it, it'll be Bogota. Um, any fixtures you're particularly interested in this week, Andres? Um, well, I mean, the, the, yeah, I, I agree with the most uh, tricky game uh, with Newells against Defensa. Hmm. Uh, and then it's not uh, particularly strange or well, or agree or disagree uh, predictions. So, yes, it's. Boca Union is going to be one that I think um, might possibly... I mean, it could go either way, really. I, I think that Boca are going to win it, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't, let's say. Well, they, <laughs> they had to play last round that was against Newells, uh, uh, that In, they won. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they had a lot of players injured, and, and we didn't know how Barros Clotto will build the team, and they will... They finally won it, won it with no difficulty. So uh, perhaps they, they may arrive to Argentina a bit tired because of the match against Junior. With, there is a lot of well hot weather, yeah. humidity. 
but uh, if nothing strange occurs, I think yes, they will. If win. if if God Chris do keep up the pressure and win um, in their match, uh, then. A victory for Boca. Let's say Godoy Cruz and Boca both win. That would, of course, leave Boca still three points clear. Boca would have the game in hand, um, and so it could go down to the wire. Boca's last two games are going to be interesting because next week um, it could be that Boca are going to play Union on Sunday, followed by, as I mentioned already, this isn't confirmed yet, but followed by Gimnasia away in this match that was postponed this Sunday, just gone um, on the Wednesday, and then next weekend they're away to Huracan. So, given the sort of high number of matches all in one row, and it's almost definitely going to be that Gimnasia game in, in next midweek, because um, the weekend after that is, is the week, sorry, after that is, is when the Libertadores um, group stage ends. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of pressure, and two away games, which, I mean, they could drop points in, so there could be some sort of chink of light still for Godoy Cruz to, to try to slip through. Um, but it's going to be tricky. We'll, we'll be much wiser about this situation next week. For now, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Um, stay listening after the theme music for the full-time scores from Argentine clubs in the Copa Libertadores, which are getting underway very shortly. Uh, Junior against Boca, Atletico Tucumán at home to Peñarol at the same time. And then a little bit later, Corinthians against Independiente um, as well. So I'll obviously give you the full-time scores of those matches as usual. And if you're listening to or watching any football this weekend, this coming weekend, I hope that you very much enjoy it. For now, thank you for listening very much. I'm saying very much too much. Very much, very much too much. Um, thank you for listening. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you very much and good night. And from me, goodbye very much. The balance for Argentine clubs in the Copa Libertadores on Wednesday was positive. Overall, two wins and a draw. Atletico Tucumán um, got a 1-0 win over Peñarol, which puts them in a decent position. They need one point away to Libertad in the final group game to qualify, um, but they're three points clear of uh, Peñarol now. Uh, Atletico in second, behind Libertad, Peñarol in third. Um, with one game to go so th- th- it's looking good for Atletico although they'll have to go to Asuncion and get a result Independiente have just claimed a 2-1 win away to Corinthians in Brazil which might have been closer had a penalty been awarded against Independiente fairly late in the second half or it might have been more comfortable had Independiente's uh, third goal not been wrongly disallowed uh, towards the end of the first half and the other result was a slightly more disappointing one Boca Juniors could only get a 1-1 draw away to Junior. Uh, Junior's goal came from a penalty, which should not have been given, quite frankly. Um, Boca's equaliser early in the second half came from a Christian Pavon free kick, which was nodded into his own net by Luis Ruiz. Yes, that really is his name. He was the scorer of the penalty, or rather, uh, he hit the post with the penalty after Agustin Rossi uh, tipped it onto the post and then bundled in the rebound and he obviously felt bad about having scored with a penalty that shouldn't have been given because he decided to score Boca's equaliser for them um, Boca therefore need to get a win at home uh, at home I think on the last day and hope um, that uh, Junior don't manage to beat Palmeiras um, away from home. Palmeiras, of course, already having qualified. They play Alianza Lima on Thursday night.